you might not have noticed, or no one probably said to you, but there is in this portion of Scripture, this pericope from John's second chapter, that there is a crisis. There is a crisis. Now, you and I know too well that as Christians, uh, we're told not to make judgments, right? Don't pass judgments. But we all do. We do it regardless of the fact that we shouldn't. And I want you to know that judgments are not always a bad thing. They're not always for selfish reasons. They're not always motivated by self-interest. And they're not always intended to harm others. In this gospel pericope, we see Mary making judgment. She sees the crisis, and she intervenes. She makes a judgment. She has to act. And Mary's good judgment saved a couple's first day of marriage life from being a total disaster. At the wedding in Cana in Galilee, Mary spoke up after observing that the wine had run out. Now, let's get our definitions. The traditional definition of a wedding states that it is a ceremony by which a man and a woman enter into matrimony. And the word matrimony in Latin is a combination of two words. Mater, which means mother, and monium, which is a suffix that means act, action rather, or condition. Hence, matrimony is the making of a woman into a wife and a mother. <laughs> See that? Matrimony. Mater, monium, mother, monium, action, condition, making a woman into a wife and mother. That's why in the Old Testament, for instance, we see that women who could not bear children were greatly distressed. There are two that come to mind. Sarah wife of Abraham, and Anna, the wife of Elkanah. Both were said to be barren, and it was true because Abraham had a child with Hagar, Sarah's maid. And Elkanah had children with Penina, and Anna couldn't have children, and Sarah couldn't have children, and they were greatly distressed. 
And Anna went into the temple and she prayed, as you know. She prayed, she prayed, and God opened her womb. She became the mother of Samuel. Of times, wedding, right? Making of a woman, you know, traditional understanding, making of a woman, a wife, and mother. Wedding, the ceremony is, begins with a legal contract. And then that ceremony is followed by a celebration. I've always been intrigued as a young boy about weddings. Everybody wants to see the bride. What's happened to the groom? But that's true. That still is the case today. The bride. Here comes the bride. And we sing that. Here comes the bride all dressed in blah, 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 blah. Right? Legal contract. Celebration. Now, wedding, whether it's a small or a big party, there's almost always feasting and wine. Okay? Sometimes there are dry weddings. Well, that's modern day. Back then, it, there was always feasting and wine. Okay? The dry weddings today are those that uh, do not serve al alcohol, but that's modern. In this case, there was wine. And some or the other, the wine ran out. Now, let's look at the guests. The only guests mentioned are Jesus' family and his disciples. This was probably a family affair. We might, we might imagine that this was a family affair because of the lead role that Mary plays and the family's prominent presence at the wedding. And since we do not know the size of the wedding, we could assume that the gathering was larger than expected. Or, we could assume that they underestimated the quantity of wine for this wedding. Weddings lasted a week. And weddings were a community affair. All the people in the community came to it. Okay? So this was really a celebration. So they... They could have underestimated the quantity of wine that was needed to keep guests satisfied and entertained. Mary, at this wedding, observes this crisis. You know, she sees what's going to happen, and she tries to avert the crisis. Because midway through, wine ran out. And Mary's is the voice of distress heard by some guests. She turns to Jesus and she says to him, We are out of wine. She imagines 
the damaging effect this could have on a newly married couple. She knows that only Jesus could prevent an already bad situation from becoming a total disaster or a public humiliation. And so she intervenes. And I want you to know something about this text today. That the intervention that Mary makes here is not unlike the intercessions that we make for those who are sick or in distress or in crisis. That's the sense in which we must understand this reading. Mary's voice is a voice of distress, but it's also a voice of genuine care and concern and a voice of hope. She believed in Jesus completely, that she tells the stewards, and that's the key. She tells the stewards, do whatever he tells you. Now, we need that kind of faith. The confidence to trust in Jesus, not only with our heads, but with our hearts. That when in a bad or impossible situation, or when we feel helpless, hopelessly lost, or when we find ourselves in a dark place, or when there is nowhere to turn, we know the one to whom we can put our trust, in whom we can put our trust. And we know him to be the true Savior on whom we can call. Like Mary must believe in our hearts that his presence is enough. It is enough to get us through the storms of life. Because it's what Mary thought of Jesus here that matters. Mary believed that Jesus is the Savior, not just her son. She didn't go to him as her son. She went to him as her Savior. And she modeled complete faith in him for his disciples and the stewards. The high point of the wedding was the miracle. Of course it was. Jesus had turned water into wine. And look how much. Six jars. I mean, imagine, think of it for a moment. Six jars, I think Jana read, holding 20 to 30 gallons of water. That's a lot, a lot of water, right? Can you imagine? Jesus tells them to fill those jars with water. Where did they get that water so quickly or so? Well, really, I'm imagining. Uh, I don't think they got it very quickly. If the wedding lasted all week, they had time to get that water there. And then Jesus did the rest. And with this sign, as John calls it a sign, and you know in John's gospel, miracles are called signs. And in John's gospel, Jesus does seven signs. This is the first of the seven. Jesus gave them enough wine for a wedding that was midway completed. Wedding ceremony, celebration that was midway completed. 
is important for us to see that Jesus was the true life of the party. He was the true source of enjoyment. He made the wedding fun, so much so that the chief steward, unaware of the source of the finest wine, said to the bridegroom, you've kept the best wine, the finest wine until now. And I hear in his voice a hint that the celebration was just beginning. As the old saying goes, good things come to those who wait. In a culture in which we are so impatient, we want things to go. Good things come to those who wait. Patience is a virtue. The chief steward represents the voice of discovery. There is surprisingly more mirth and gladness than previously imagined because this is the finest wine. He is like many who do not know Jesus but enjoy his blessings. Imagine if they knew him, how different their lives would be. True joy and feasting would, they, would be theirs. For joy and feasting are true responses to Christ's presence in our lives. We want more and more and more of Christ's love. We want him to always be with us. There's something else to be said about this story in John's Gospel that we have before us. Marriage is about new beginnings. Those of you who are married some 50 years and more, you remember what it was like? Gonna get married. It's gonna be a lot of excitement. For me, it wasn't a whole lot of excitement, it was more nerves. Right? Sometimes people run away. Right? You hear about the runaway bride, or you hear about the absentee groom. Right? Marriage is about new beginnings. We anticipate beginning a family, building a home, and living together into old age. Remember what the, the covenant was? For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, until death parts us. Young people don't like to say that anymore. They make their own. Because when they feel like uncoupling, that's what they call it today, you just uncouple. Right? For better, you know, what is it? In sickness and in health, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, until death do us part. Today, Jesus offers to take our hand in marriage. He's the group. 
we the bride. To marry him is to know the one true God who dearly loves us, who sacrificed himself to save us, and who is always with us and gives us abundant life. The world might offer you things that will make you feel important, such as an important career and you know, friends in high society and a big salary and promise your successful and rewarding life. Well, there are many who have taken the bait and have left feeling very empty. Today, Jesus offers more than we could ever provide for ourselves. We are content. We are content to eat and drink. Yes, at his invitation. There's enough here for everyone. And to share his blessings with our neighbor. With him, we know that we lack for nothing because he's everything we need now and always. And he's always there to hear our intercessions and to come to our rescue. And then he sends us to intercede for others that they too, like the steward, might discover in him joy and gladness. Amen.